You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast. Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, October 16th. My name, as always, is Javier Reyes, your host of this here Lockdown Padres podcast. Check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno. And that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, Javapeno, as you guys all know. And if you feel so inclined, please hit me up on there, either of those accounts. It doesn't matter which one. If you uh, want to maybe send in some questions or thoughts or some vibes, whatever you want, do that. You can also hit me up on the Gmail, which is LockdownPadres at gmail.com, maybe for some more detailed, elaborate type of uh, questions you might have. You know what I'm saying? So be sure to do that, guys. Uh, and today's episode, sorry we missed yesterday's episode, but today I promise you, or I don't want to promise you anything. I feel like it's a bit of a, a fool's journey. What is the, the a fool's task? A fool's something. Fool's gold? I don't know, but you guys get what I'm saying here, all right? To start and making promises during these times that we're have here, but that's okay. I think I'm going to do it anyway, guys. Today, we're going to be talking about the recent announcement from the MLBPA about who is up for the, uh, their, their little awards came out, or I should say their, their nominations came out. We're going to talk about that because you all know some Padres were on that list and some Padres maybe weren't on that list. And we're going to talk about that, guys. And then we're going to just talk about, you know, just talk quickly about my thoughts on last night's games and then a couple of news updates uh, when it comes when in terms of uh, Mike Clevenger and Fernando Tatis, kind of in the second halves, guys. So let's 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 get it rolling. A lot of stuff to cover today. So let's start off with the with the boring stuff. Let's be honest, guys. This is the Padres podcast. Let's start off with the boring stuff. And that was last night's games for the ALCS and NLCS. Look, I'm having fun seeing the Dodgers lose. I'm not gonna lie. Let's be real. And I'm also having fun seeing the Astros lose. Oh wait, no, that's not true because the Astros keep winning. They had a walk off hit last night with Carlos Correa. I, I, I mean, it's just—it's frustrating because you know I—I I don't know if I've even said this before, but Carlos Correa, we as as representative, I think it's fair that as on behalf of the Puerto Rican Alliance, as myself, right? We do not currently claim Carlos Correa. I was not excited about seeing him at that walk-off. I'm in the kitchen, c- keeping my mom company as she makes dinner, which is what I tend to do sometimes when I have free time. And I hear, oh, a deep to center field, all stuff. Of all the people, I would argue he's the one that irks me the most. Just because I think out of all the Astros, Correa has been the most flamboyant, braggadocious almost out of everybody when it comes to the cheating scandal. He's the most, you know, chest beating, chest out type of guy out of everybody. You know what I mean? The least sort of um, apologetic, I think, of the bunch, at least in my opinion. He's also the guy that tried to make an excuse for for Altuve, so all those things. So it doesn't make me happy. The series is now three two. Don't get me wrong. They are, you know, the, the series goes on. They are playing today. They are actually playing basically right as you guys uh, hear this. It'll the game will be like by in the third inning, I imagine, because I still have to edit and stuff like that. Um, so hopefully they can still put it away. But I have to admit, man, every time you see these three zero leads, I feel like in sports, like don't get me wrong, it never happens. It's only happened with the Red Sox, obviously, two thousand four, infamously. But I feel like in general, there's always a big comeback that like illuminates and freaks everybody out for the foreseeable future. Does this? Let me let me try and explain. So you have the 04 game, right? You have the 04 series, and now all of a sudden everyone's like, oh no, what if they make a comeback? Then it kind of wanes off, right? 
Then we have like the Cleveland and Golden State thing, the 3-1 comeback. And all of a sudden everyone's like, oh man, it can happen. You know what I mean? I feel like when it's like every five years, there's like this big major comeback that happens that reminds everybody, no, it still can't happen. Hopefully it doesn't in this case. I, you know, even though I did say my take, my take the other day, that was, I actually think it would be unbelievably entertaining to see like a Dodgers Astros rematch or honestly Astros Braves just to give Atlanta like the whole world would be on their side yet again almost like in that Super Bowl from 2017 2016 where everyone was rooting for the Falcons against the villainous Patriots in this case the villainous Astros so that would be fun too um either result there if it was the Astros then I'd be rooting I'm not gonna lie guys I might root, I might might have to root for the Dodgers. They were going up against the Astros. I mean, I just I think I think we have to make an exception. Is that fair to you guys? Will you crucify me for that? I hope you don't. Um, and then and then speaking of the Dodgers, uh, that Braves game was just told another basically wipeout. Um, the Braves offense, it's friggin' legit, man. And Kershaw, I actually didn't think he looked too terrible yesterday. I thought that yes, the the final line doesn't look too impressive, going five innings, allowing four runs on seven hits. But I actually thought he was okay, all things considered. And all things considered, with this just dynamite offense that the Atlanta Braves have. I mean, seriously. And that that one inning, I think it was, what was it, top six or bottom six when it starts off with Acuna running to first base, kind of injuring himself on his wrist or whatever. And then for that to end up being the pretending of a, a big inning to come is kind of amazing. So hopefully they close that out. I wouldn't mind it for sure. I think out of all the teams that I'm rooting for, Braves and Rays, but I think I'm rooting a little bit for the... It, it depends what you want. It's uh, I think the two narratives are rooting for the Braves because it would be fun to see um, like an Atlanta team fight. You know, the Falcons are miserable. And the Hawks, they haven't been too good either. It'd be nice to see Atlanta finally get some some sports loving from the sports god. And then for the Rays, it would be fun just in terms of seeing this team that does not have all the resources in the world in terms of money and financial like type of means, but they just draft well, they scout really well, and they don't have like any of these super, super duper studs. They don't have a Tatis, as I've mentioned before. They don't have anybody like that. They've just got this team. Just a bunch of players that show up and contribute whenever you need a different person to contribute that day, depending on matchups and stuff like that. And an amazing GM and Kevin Cash. So that's that's kind of how I view that. You know what I'm saying? So that those are the two reasons I'd be rooting for those teams. But, uh, you know, we'll have to see how that pans out. And now, guys, let's talk about the real topic of the show. I've already been wasting my time talking about this this series. Who, you know what I mean? Who even cares about the playoffs now? Am I right? So yesterday it was announced by the MLPPA who the finalists were for their awards with... Uh, uh, outstanding player, outstanding pitcher, outstanding rookie, and comeback player. Uh, so let me read you the nominees, guys. And I'm going to read them for both leagues, because why not? For outstanding player for the National League, it was Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Juan Soto, who get the nods. American League players was Jose Abreu, DJ LeMahieu, and Mike Trout. Then for outstanding pitcher award, National League players, it was Trevor Bauer, Hugh Darvish, and Jacob deGrom. American League players, Shane Bieber, Garrett Cole, and Lance Lynn. For Outstanding Rookie Award, National League players, it was Alec Bohm, Jake Cro- We are not gonna worry! And Devin Williams. Uh, for American League players, James Karinachik. I, I, I'm not gonna lie, guys. Karinchak. I don't- I've never heard of this guy until now. I'm not gonna lie. May, forgive me on this one. You know, it's the American League. I'm not fully familiar with it. Kyle Lewis and Luis Orbert. And then for Comeback Player Award, National League players, Daniel Bard, Adam Duvall, and Will My, the baseball guy, Will Myers. And American League players, Carlos Carrasco, Salvador Perez, and Jose Ramirez. So let's dive right into this, right? 
you know, we the biggest thing here, obviously, guys, is two. Let's start with that. Two players nominated from the Padres, Jake Cronenworth and Will Myers. One of them, oh, no, wait, that's right. Both of them are super surprising. I mean, Comeback Player of the Year is always kind of a surprising award because that's kind of the nature of the award. Rookie of the Year usually just depends on the roster. You know what I mean? When Chris Bryant's making his debut, when Luis Robert, for example, you can imagine that they're going to be on their top-level prospects. But still, it was surprising considering, you know, if not for the, the COVID diagnosis for Jorge Mateo, Jake Cronenworth might not even have been on the roster. You know what I mean? So, and, and for him to take advantage of the situation that he had, you know, was just remarkable, right? So let me talk about it, right? So let's talk first about Will Myers and the Comeback Player of the Year Award. Because I feel like, just looking at these other candidates, with looking at Daniel Bard and Adam Duvall, I think that this one's easily going to Will Myers. Like, let's look at, let's just look at this, right? I actually think that... The Adam Duvall thing, it's cute, it's fine. You know, he ends up hitting 16 home runs this year, but only batting a kind of paltry 237, 301 uh, in terms of his average and on base, which isn't all that exceptional. And he's not all that great of a defensive player, so it's kind of whatever there. It is fun, don't get me wrong, on the Atlanta Braves, it's kind of fun to see this guy, uh, you know, just just hit some bangers, hit some home runs out of the park in uh, 57 games. That is impressive, and it is fun, for sure. It's a fun home run guy, you know what I'm saying? And I remember that one year when he hit, like, what was it, 30? He hit 33 home runs that one year when batting uh, 241 with 297 on base. Just a pure slugger. The type of guy, Adam Duvall, here's how I describe Adam Duvall. He's the type of player that used to be super valuable in fantasy baseball, despite the fact that he would just kill you in on-base and batting average. But nowadays, it does it because there's plenty of guys that are hitting good offensive numbers. But I remember back in the day, Adam Duvall was like a top... I'd say like top 50 player just because you needed the power. There were guys like Mark Trumbo, guys like Chris Davis that even though they were hitting like 220 or whatever, you were like, hey, I need the power numbers. I need those home run numbers. Nowadays, not so much. That's my big kind of takeaway with him. I would actually be more okay with Daniel Bard winning this award than Adam Duvall if it isn't Jake Cronenworth just because it's a great story. You know, he played for the Red Sox back from 2009-2013. He met, like, he broke, like, all these records. He was outstanding. Uh, he... Uh, he set a Red Sox team record with 25 consecutive scoreless appearances, which is just nuts. His velocity was at 102 miles per hour at one point. Just a top-level player, and then just completely fell off. And then for him to kind of come back and pitch for the first time since 2013 with all those injuries that he had, after literally being a coach with the Rockies, with the with the minor leagues, I'm pretty sure. Or at least, it was what was he? A mental skills coach for the Arizona Diamondbacks. There we go. Not the Rockies. Um, that's who he pitched for. And he was kind of reliant this year. His numbers weren't anything incredible either similar to Duvall he pitched to its 3.65 ERA with six saves and he had a whip of 1.297 struck out nearly 10 batters an inning and averaged 3.6 walks per inning don't get me wrong um I I I, I it's not like mind-blowing numbers a reliable thing but the story and guys you know me I think that baseball sometimes we forget to include the story Right? We forget to include things like the narrative and how we look at only things in numbers. And this is one of those cases. I would be a hypocrite to not be like, you know, Daniel Bard winning this award, it would not get me upset. You know what I mean? It would actually make a good amount of sense. I actually think that it would be super fair and cool. Am I rooting for Will Myers? Of course. Will Myers is one of my favorite players on the team, if not my actual favorite player to watch this year. Obviously, it's Tatis. That's the obvious answer to go with. But I have to admit that, you know, it was just something about Will Myers this year was so uh, it was so magnetic about him. I can't explain it in a different way. And in, in almost like a a, a, a a contrast to Tatis's explosive energy, there was the kind of almost lackadaisical but, like, incredibly thoughtful approach of Will Myers this year that I really enjoyed. And he was really bad for years. 
years. You know what I mean? There's a story in that too. There's a story of this guy who kind of became a, a contract that was just dead and just was useless for a lot of reasons, you know? So for that to happen, I think that that would be an amazing story, but not going to lie guys, it wouldn't be the most angering thing in the world if Daniel Bard did end up winning this award. And then there is the issue of the Rookie of the Year uh, award from this Players Association panel. The other nominees, as I mentioned before, were Devin Williams and Alec Bohm. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, man. Hey, hey, hey. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is going to be a tough award for, for Jay Crowder to win when you take into account his kind of not even kind of, just mediocre ending to the season. And you know what? That counts for something. In a regular season, yeah, maybe he ends up coming back and he gets out of his slump and then starts showing up in time and reclaims his Rookie of the Year status. But the guys he's going against, everyone, I've talked about Devin Williams before, just absolutely broken, 0.33 ERA, was pretty much perfect for um, rookie relief pitcher. So I totally get that. And then if you go to Alec Bohm on the Phillies, he batted 338, 400 with a 481 um, slugging percentage with an OPS of 881. He had four homers and 11 doubles, which is which is a lot. That's quite good on his part. Here's my thing. All the all these guys are great. The the thing that goes for Jay Cronenworth, I would say, is that this was a guy who really wasn't supposed to be even on the team. You know what I mean? I mean, not that he wasn't supposed to be, but it was not expected for him to be on the team. He had more obstacles in terms of just making the team in the first place. You know, with Alec Bohm and for Devin Williams, I'm pretty sure, as far as I'm aware, those guys were going to be on the roster anyway. They knew they were going to make it. It was expected that they would play in some capacity. While Jay Cronenworth, really, if not for the injury to Eric Hosmer, he probably Probably doesn't get this chance in the first place. So while I do understand the numbers for sure with Alec Bohm and Devin Williams, I would have no problem with either of them winning. I really wouldn't, especially in the case of Williams, because I mean, what else do you want a guy to do? And we never usually give it to pitchers anyway when it comes to awards of all cases, unless it's the Cy Young or Outstanding Pitcher. Usually they don't compete in these type of awards. So I wouldn't mind seeing Devin Williams win because he did about as good as you could do. His caper nine was like 15. I mean, come on, guys. He was absolutely unbelievable. And then Alec Bowman, and then Jake Cronenworth. So I wouldn't mind it that much. And I'd say that the biggest thing going for uh, Jake Cronenworth is the good defense, is the fact that he's this utility player, and the fact that literally I don't think this happens if we don't get that injury to Eric Hosmer. We probably never see him and things – you know, there's a multiverse universe where he doesn't even get the chance. And speaking of chances that you might not get if certain things don't fall into place, if maybe you didn't get the right pitch for something, you know, if someone didn't alert you to something, you know, I'm going to alert you guys to the best friggin' protein bar on the market, guys. That is Built Bar. I've talked about it before. It just makes me hungry just thinking about it, guys. You know why? Because they're soft. They're chewy. They're this chewy as heck, man. And guess what else? They're 100% chocolate. And then and, and check these flavors. They've got coconut almond. They've got raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee almond, coconut, peanut butter, brownie. <gasps> Ooh, sounds good, doesn't it? And guess what? They've got six amazing new flavors as well. They've got caramel brownie cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and even a good old apple almond crisp. And on top of all that, because I, I know you guys are hungry by now. You got to be. Your tummy's rumbling. You want one of these built Bars, right? And like I said before, they're protein bars, so they're also healthy for you. They're great for the keto diet, high fiber, high protein, low sugar, and low calorie. They're super awesome for all the type of, you know, weight loss or weight 
uh, stabilities things that you may want to uh, put yourself through or whatever you want to call it. They're really great. And I've been enjoying them myself. So guys, you can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Remember that is promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And now, guys, let's let's keep it rolling. Let's keep it continuing. We're, we're, we're enough of Will Myers and Jake Cronenworth. Let's talk about these other things for a second, right? So, outstanding rookie and comeback player. We already talked about those, right? Now, let's talk about outstanding player and outstanding pitcher. So, the biggest thing here is there's two people, obviously, that might be guys that could have deserved a nomination here. That's the Nelson Lamette and Manny Machado. Manny Machado, obviously, for outstanding player in the National League uh, bracket region or whatever you want to call it. And then for outstanding pitcher, uh, you could have had the Nelson Lamette in there. Let's first talk about Lamette, right? Did he get snubbed here? Eh, maybe a little bit. The only one that I might take out here is Jacob deGrom. I know that sounds like blasphemous. That's what it sounds like, right? But I don't know. I just thought Jacob deGrom was pretty great this year, as per usual. Don't get me wrong. Finished with a war of 2.5. His ERA was 2.38, whip under 1, and he had 104 strikeouts, which is arguably the biggest thing in his favor. And then for Trevor Bauer, he absolutely deserves it up there. Combine that with some intangibles, just an absolutely magnetic personality this year with 100 Ks, a K per nine of 12.3. His whip was 0.795, which is just absurd. ERA 1.73. And then you Darvish, on the other hand, who is just a fun story. It's fun to see that he's he's back to being that ace that we saw him be on the Rangers. Uh, and people were kind of worried, oh no, is this going to fall up? Is this going to be a bad signing for the Cubs? Turns out, no. Finished with a whip of 0.961 and an ERA of 2.01. Strikeouts uh, a total of 93, which gives him a K per nine of around 11. I'd actually say among all those guys, you know, let's not boil it all down to war. I actually think that maybe the guy you could have replaced in this, you could have had Lamette maybe in there instead of Jacob deGrom. I know, like I said, I know that sounds crazy, but the ERA, the ERA was a little bit lower, which is nice, um, about basically the same in whip. I know that uh, Jacob deGrom's K per nine was a little bit higher at 13.8 for sure, but I don't know. I don't know, guys. It, it's not that crazy. Look, it, this is this is just getting into semantics. Let's be honest, guys. I mean, Denelson Lamette was great. If he pitched me, Maybe, I don't know, if he maybe he needed like one more start. That's what's so crazy about these awards, actually, now that we mention is that everything gets separated by basically one good or bad start. You know what I mean? And all these guys basically didn't have a single bad start. I do think that it would be would have been more fun to have Lament in here just because, you know, the Padres, they did finish a lot better than the Mets. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to start pulling no Mike Wilbon and saying that, you know, what matters is wins and all that stuff. But I don't know. I just felt like he could have been in there. But no real dispute here. It's not like I could actually get up there on the podium and make a super compelling case that Jacob deGrom didn't deserve it. I just here's what I'll say. A little boring. Let's be honest. It's a little boring. Just a little, little boring for Jacob DeGrab to be among the crop just because the team wasn't that good, super forgettable, and Padres were good, and who's this Denelson Lamette guy? Where'd he come from? This is awesome. Just from that perspective, it's just a little boring for DeGrom. And then for most outstanding player, obviously the guy missing here was Manny Machado. Like I said before, the nominees were Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Juan Soto. I've already talked basically ad nauseum about Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman when it comes to being uh, competing players for the like MVP, most outstanding player, whatever you want to call it right now, and how they both were great. And Freddie Freeman, incredible offensive player, although I do think that it, it should be noticed that Manny Machado was great defensively this year, and I think that that counts for something, while Freddie Freeman was just uh, first base. Mookie Betts, can't make an argument there. Mookie Betts is one of the best players in the league. And then Juan Soto. Now, at first when I saw this, I was like, really? Because I hadn't heard anything about Juan Soto, aside from the 
fact that he tested positive for COVID like right when the season started and he was out for the first few games. But I totally forgot how much of a great season he had, right? He batted 351 then with a 490 on base with a slugging of 695, which gave him an OPS of 1.185. I mean, holy God almighty. Holy God almighty. That's amazing. You know what I mean? And, and this is just goes to show you just how amazing Juan Soto is as a batter. And he really is the future. Like, he's one of those up-and-coming players in the league for sure. If he isn't already. We talk about Tatis all the time. But let me tell you. Juan Soto definitely deserves to be in that conversation at just 21 years old. And already, like, a borderline MVP candidate. However, I will say this, though. And this is what goes against him. Incredible offensive player. Not so much defensively. His defensive war, it was minus one this year. That's not all that great. Basically, all of his, you know, kind of stats were down so if you want to make that type of um complaint if you want to say Manny Machado should be in there instead of Juan Soto I kind of understand that because Freddie Freeman was better than him probably offensively and so was Mookie Betts and then those guys weren't nearly as atrocious defensively while Manny Machado was great at third base so I do think that that should be taken into account I do understand it I do understand the offense is the big thing but I have to say out of all of these players I do think that Manny Machado probably should have been in there instead of Juan Soto but I don't hate it I don't hate it Juan Soto is amazing and I just totally forgot how good of a season he had. And the other thing is, let's be honest, nobody paid attention to the Nationals this year. It was just kind of a total train wreck. So I think that that's just one of those things. Like I said, I didn't even know about the stats. So, But yeah, those are kind of my thoughts on the MLBPA uh, award nominations. Really curious to see how those turn out and see when more awards start coming out, more MVP stuff, Cy Young, and all that stuff. We're going to be definitely covering that over the days. Last thing I want to talk about, speaking of kind of pitchers and great players, right? There was a report yesterday that apparently the Padres and the and the Fernando Tatis Jr. were in like kind of contract extension talks. My take on that as of right now, as I haven't thought about it enough, is I don't think it's as super necessary. The, the case to be made is that this guy is the future of the franchise and that you want to lock him up before pay scales go up or whatever and you don't want to end up paying him six fifty or whatever it's going to be by the time he is eligible to be a free agent in 2025. The counter that is, well, it's 2025. You have some time. And also the other counter is... He's only played in basically, if you want to think about it, two 60-game seasons. I know he played a little bit more than that uh, his rookie year, but he hasn't played in a full season. You know what I'm saying? So if you want to commit that much money to someone, especially in baseball, are we sure that he's going to stay like 100% the whole time? We haven't seen him over the course of a full season. So I can understand some hesitation in that respect, right? But for now, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm waiting. I want to see a little bit more. I don't think they have to. I don't think this is as much of a have-to situation as some people are making it out to be. But we'll still, we'll see how it transpires. I, I also wouldn't hate if the Padres just locked this guy up for the foreseeable future. But I can understand some maybe hesitation on their part, especially with trying to reconstruct and make more of a salary thing. And that's another thing, by the way. I messed up the other day when I was talking about the salaries and the payroll. I forgot that there was some dead money with all of air and then um, – and what's his face, uh, Ian Kinsler. So they actually have a little bit closer to like 35, 34 million or a little bit more than I initially said when it comes to uh, some cap space that they use this offseason. And lastly, uh, Mike Clevenger, it was announced kind of that it looks like his the surgery is not going to be too bad. It looks like he's going to get some you know invasive arthur, arthroscopic surgery, which means it's kind of like, from what I understand, it's just kind of like, cleaning out the arm basically removing those bone chips but it's not like they're rebuilding anything this is not Tommy John and basically the same thing goes for Denelson Lamette it does not sound like both of these pitchers uh, are going to require some type of surgery and as everyone freaks out about the Tommy John thing you know they don't have to reconstruct anything in the bone they just have to almost like a vacuum cleaner per se that is such a 
oversimplification of how surgery and medicine works. I am not a doctor. Please do not take my word for this. But it's like going in there, just, you know, getting everything out, removing all the little chips and stuff like that. So that's good news. And it definitely bodes well for the Padres' future and kind of, you know, what their free agency plans are. Maybe it's not full on panic mode to get a starter. But now that I, like I just mentioned before, with the freed up cap space, uh, maybe. Um, they might, you know, try and take aim at one of these top pitches that are on the market. We'll definitely have to see what happens there. Uh, but with all, all of that said, guys, that's about it. That's it. Those are my thoughts. Viva la Friday, everybody. I hope you're having a wonderful Friday. Hopefully watch some baseball and just enjoying life because we all, you know, it could keep you down sometimes. You know what I mean? So with all that being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. Just look it up, find it. It'll be there. You could also follow the show or myself on Twitter. That's LO underscore Padres and at Javapeno. Do me a favor and also give me some reviews on iTunes if you'd like some five-star goodies. That'd be very much appreciated. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My Friar Faithful homies, take care.